Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fabulous Shop Talk Europe. We are reporting live here from Barcelona. I'm your host, Jeff Roster. And today, I'm really happy to have a conversation with Aprajita Jane, Chief Brand Marketing Evangelist at Google. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. First question for you is, obviously, you have a strong history of advertising and marketing. Can you tell us a, a little bit about your journey to becoming Google and what a title, Chief yeah. Brand Marketing Evangelist. What does that mean? Yeah, I know it sounds a lot like I'm preaching and it's to do with religion, but <laughs> actually it doesn't have anything to do with that. Though I do like talking about digital brand building and in a way I'm not selling product. I'm just evangelizing the idea of digital brand building, how that compares to traditional marketing and hence the title evangelism. But really, uh, I have been working at Google for 19 years now. Wow. And little secret, I always say I started when I was 12, so you don't make your assumptions here. <laughs> but I've, I've actually grown up with the company. I started in roles that now, thanks to AI, are fully automated. So I'm glad I made that progression in my career, else my job would have been out automated. But yeah, I've worked through our business organizations through different roles and different industries. And now I'm in a global role with purview across different industries. So one day I get to work with retailers. The next day I get to work with travel advertisers. Well, the best and, industry is retail, of course, uh, I, right? I agree. It's between travel and retail for it's me. I have a special travel. place um, for that industry. But yes, retail, definitely my second favorite. Not only because I can understand it from a consumer perspective, because I love to see how that translates to the retail side from, from the retailer's perspective and how the dots are connected there. I lived in New York for two years. Fun story. Whenever I walked down Fifth Avenue, I could never just be the consumer. I always thought about the storefronts from the retailer's perspective. And just that combination is really interesting for me. So do you have a, a vertical, I mean, you're, are, you're in every vertical, I take it, Every right? vertical, yes. So how many trade shows a year do you go to? You know, I am very selective about the trade shows I go well, to. Well, clearly um, you went to one of the better ones. So I did. I'm awesome. actually very impressed with uh, the organization and the content this here. I have crazy. to say that. This is crazy. The energy, the, the people that I'm meeting here, it is definitely special. But the beauty about being across different industries is that you're not going extremely deep into one industry. Instead, you're maintaining your overview of what's working across industries and you're kind of picking out the best practices. And oftentimes you're able to share that cross industry, which is the beauty about digital marketing, right? It doesn't have to be specific to your industry. You want to pick up the best practices from other industries and be the first mover on that in your industry. I was really impressed with your note uh, from your first day's observation. And I think one of the things I, I love the most is where you said, you were talking about the returns process yeah. or the disaster that returns is. And can we throw tech at it to, to improve fit and whatnot? I'm an old supply chain guy. And the thought of all of those returns drives, I mean, I lose sleep at night, even right. though I still don't have to worry about it. So I thought that was a really interesting observation. Do you think we have that, a shot of really having that under control? I honestly hope not only a shot, but we really need to figure this out from a sustainability perspective, right? We cannot continue littering the environment with, all these shipping boxes just for the sake of, oh, I want to try out five sizes and then ship back right. four. That's just right, I mean, right to the heart. That right. just has that's to just, stop. Oh, right? oh. I feel so annoyed. I know people who do this and I'm like, I always tell them up front, like, 
can you not just drive down to the mall and try these on before you make that purchase decision? Really, that one drive is so much more sustainable than you getting five packages delivered. So I hope the industry really figures out how to get around that by providing better fitted technologies at home. And then maybe having more customer data that allows you to personalize the fit better. So hopefully we'll solve that. You know, it's funny because, I mean, returns has been a bear for retail forever, but it's probably the last year and a half where really the idea of of the cost of returns, the sustainability or lack thereof. And I thought, man, that's, that is the best example of marrying a huge loss. You know, I mean, returns are where profits go to die because it's just this, everything about it is negative and bad. But consumers don't care because a lot of the big players have said, okay, we, we need to satisfy the customer. So we've got to do the returns, but then could we begin to understand? But then consumers will say, hey, you got to get the fit right. So it's yeah. a case where everyone needs to come together. And, and you know what? There's a double-edged sword in that too. So some retailers say, we'll ship it to you for free after a minimum order amount. And yeah. you know what happens? I've seen this in a lot of consumer behavior. Consumers will say, I only need one item that costs, I don't know, $20. But I'll fill my card yeah. to eighty dollars yeah. until you ship it to me for free, and then I'll return the remaining oh. three items. That is even worse than, than the problem you were trying to get around. To the hardest. Yeah. Just, oh, you know, Google's maybe the most recognized brand. Come on, in the world, how do you ensure that Google remains fresh and relevant to consumers? I must say we are fortunate that we are not, you know, a very fashionable product in the sense that we'll be in for a few years and then out. I mean, search has been around for over 20 years now, and it has evolved, but it's a product that is so much a fabric of everybody's existence. In fact, I'll give you an example of how our founder thinks about this. Whenever we come up with a new product or service at Google, he makes us pass what he calls the toothbrush test, which means you don't need to create a full-on product requirement document, but you need to pass the toothbrush test, which means, can you answer two questions? The idea that you have has to be used by everyone around the world, ideally, just like a toothbrush. And ideally, you want everybody to use it twice a day. If your product idea passes that test, it's probably going to be one that's going to stick in the market. And that's how we stay fresh and relevant. And you're one of these companies, it wasn't your organization, but one time I was working with a a big player and they said they had to create products that moved in billion dollar increments. <laughs> and as nails, I said, I can't even imagine that world. I'm happy if we could build something that's like $10 million yeah. or something. Yeah. You're probably in that same scenario when you're thinking about 8 billion people in the world, if you touch them twice a day, it's this right. amazing opportunity. And not all of our products are paid products. I mean, right. honestly, a majority of our revenue still comes from advertising, but the user base that we create, even with our free products, we need to make sure that it's relevant to as many users as possible. It's accessible to everybody because that is part of our company mission, right? We want to make information useful and accessible to everybody and hence that toothbrush test. Wow, fantastic. Can you share an example of a successful marketing campaign or initiative that you've led at Google? Yeah, there's uh, clearly because I work across industries, there's many, but I think some of the ones that I'm most proud of are probably right now I work with some of our largest advertising partners. But honestly, the ones that touched me most are the ones where I worked with a smaller, medium-sized business and I was able to help them grow into becoming a larger company. 
or nonprofits. A lot of time, my group has worked with St. Jude's Children's Hospital, for example. They, you know, collect donations for children with cancer and making shift in the way they can do fundraising, you know, allow them to collect more funds for children in need. I think that has been really, really meaningful. And uh, that makes me feel like what I'm doing is not just for profit, but it's actually helping people in their lives. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you faced in your role and how do you overcome them? <laughs> You're a global <laughs> brand manager. Yeah. I can't imagine the scale of your challenges. Yeah, challenges are all around, not alone with um, you know, technology as it changes, but also industry regulations, right? Europe started with GDPR. Right. Now the U.S. is following up with their own versions of that. So there's always something that needs to be overcome. But I think if you go at it with a can-do attitude and you work with the system, right? You don't want to go around it, but you want to work with it and find solutions to it. I think that's one way to just have that mentality that yes, there is an issue, but we can get past this. If you give up right from the get-go and you're like, oh my God, this is going to create a big problem, you don't stand a chance. So I feel looking at something as, yes, this is a temporary problem, but we will get past it, has always been helpful in my career, whether it be on a personal level uh, or an industry level. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. What's your proudest accomplishment? Honestly, I would say the job that I'm in right now, the role, I literally created the role for myself. It did not exist as well, that's you know, the something best kind that of a you job. grow into. It's a great role. Yeah, um, absolutely. I literally sat down one day. I was so upset with the role that I was doing back then. I went to my VP and I'm like, this is not working for me. But I wrote a job description with why does the company need this role? What could it look like? What impact would it have? And why am I the right fit for it? And I presented that to her as a little pitch. She agreed. She created that role for me. And here I am. So that's fascinating. I do a lot, a lot of uh, volunteer work with the Center for Retail Transformation mm -hmm. at Georgia Mission University. And I talked to a lot of kids. Most of the kids are, are first generation college. And I want to unpack that a little. Was there risk involved? There was so much risk involved that um, the role I was in previously, I didn't get along with the manager very yeah. well. She had lost five of her employees the only five that she had within that, a span a of six trend. months. That was a bad, bad you know, situation to be in and to begin with. And the agreement between her and me was, if I want to go and test out something else, she will give me six months. If I don't find another role in six months or create one for myself like I did, um, I would be let go of, of Google. And, you know, I would be on my own. So I said, I'm willing to take that risk. Tried out uh, a chief of staff role, which um, I didn't fully enjoy because it was internally facing. I love working with clients. And hence, I wrote this job description, went to my VP and said, this is what I'm going to do. Do you think we can create this role? So, yes, there was a lot of risk. What I think is really important for kids to understand, I mean, so many conversations with people now that I'm, you know, gray hair, <laughs> I'm a little bit older. And you get with other executives or analysts or whatnot, and you, and you have this conversation. There's this theme I'm seeing that there's a point in your career where you just take the risk. And it just, it's amazing. It happened in my career. It happened to three or four of us. And we just went around the table. And, and it's, it's that risk taking, taking a job for free, doing an internship yeah. for free. Don't always try to get paid. I mean, you can't do it. I mean, obviously, you've got right, to be careful about point, that. But yeah. boy, don't always play it safe because you're going to miss the, the greatest. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? You look at your downside, yeah, you look you at your fired. upside, right? In this case, the downside is I get fired, but I was already in a job that I wasn't enjoying, so I might as well take that risk. So yes, sometimes you have to weigh off the pros and cons, but I've always seen that you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't take that risk, you don't know what you'll miss out on. And one last question for you. 
What skills do you use today? Do you wish you would have paid more attention to back in college? I actively set aside like half a day. I try to every week, but at least once every two weeks to just read. I feel there's so much information out there about the different industries I work with, the different types of technologies. I wish I had taken that proactive time to just sit and absorb a lot more back then. But I was so go, go, go. You know, I need to do this. I need to do that. So I never took that time to just passively or not passively, but really just sit and hear what is happening in the industry. And I do this a lot more now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing those really great insights yeah. and welcome to retail. Hopefully we'll see you at other trade shows. None is quite as good as this one, <laughs> but, but uh, thanks for sharing your time today. Appreciate My it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.